Good morning, Thrive Church. Thank you uh, once again for having me here with you in your living rooms today. Thank you for that kind introduction. <laughs> and it's a pleasure to be here with you uh, today to talk about new heart, new horizons, how to work with God toward that, that new heart for that new horizon. And, and I would suspect that when the church leadership team came up with this theme, they had no idea how appropriate it would be for Thrive Church today in this season. Because it, it seems that given where Thrive is in the journey, this topic of a new horizon is more appropriate than ever. And uh, this new horizon, it is God's preferred future for Thrive Church. And so now the question is, how can we as a church body prepare our heart or work with God in preparing our heart to get ready for his preferred future, that new horizon? So a couple of things right off the bat. I know you know this already, but I'm just going to say this uh, so that you know where I'm coming from on this topic. And the first thing is a new heart is always a gift from God. It is not something that we can do in our own strength. All the self-help books in the world, they can change many things about us, but they cannot give us a new heart. God promises us a new heart as part of making us a new creation when we decide to follow Jesus. And then the second thing is, even though all that is true, that it is only God who gives us a new heart, he still invites us, and you could even say he expects us to join him in the process of transformation as we journey with him toward wholeness, toward holiness and toward his preferred future. New heart, new horizon. Now I know this theme very well. It is actually very close to my heart. I've shared my story maybe a couple of years ago with, uh, with you Thrive about the, the, the story of how my first marriage uh, broke down, how I went through a divorce, how I went through a long time of single parenting, five kids full time, and then there was a subsequent remarriage. And when my first wife said that she was going to leave, I spent the first 14 months focused on restoring my marriage. Every ounce of energy I could spare went to that and to my children. I don't even remember how many times in those 14 months I asked her to come back. There were times that I wanted to give up, but God never gave me that option. He always said, keep going, try again, try again try again. Eventually, uh, something happened and I thought, okay, for sure, this is it. This is, this is the end. It's over. But even then, God said to me, try again one more time. And I did. And she said no. And then God said to me, okay, all of that energy that you put into trying to restore your marriage, I want you now to put that energy, that focus into closure, into wrapping up this season well, because I have a new season that's coming. I have a new horizon for you. 
And so even though I had been doing 14 months of therapy and introspection and healing, I spent the next three months in even more intense introspection, going through my house, trying to bring closure to this season of life that had ended so painfully. And I had to work with God to prepare myself and to prepare my heart a new heart for a new season, a new horizon that was coming. And here's the thing that even though I had some uh, external work to do by going through my home, uh, most of the work that God wanted me to do was internal. I had to work on my inner landscape, forgiving people, owning the state of my heart, and expressing this desire to work with God in healing and growing and changing. And so today, as we join God in preparing ourselves for his preferred future for us, both as individual followers of Jesus and as a church family, as we prepare ourselves for his new horizon, I want to look at our inner landscape and how it affects us. Because the journey toward God's new horizon has to include an examination of the inner landscape. And so we're gonna look at a story, a very interesting story from Mark chapter seven. And I'll just read it in three chunks. We'll just take it a chunk at a time and we'll just kind of explore what's going on here and what it means to us and our inner landscape as we move toward God's new horizon for us. So this is Mark chapter seven, and I'm gonna start in verses one to five, which is a bit of a background to what's going on here. Mark chapter 7, verse 1 to 5. One day, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish ritual of hand washing before eating. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands, as required by their ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of the many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked him, why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. All right. Kind of an interesting uh, little insight into Jewish tradition, purity laws, and just the background of the culture here. In a bigger picture, the uh, the issue for the religious leaders here is less kind of the individual law that they're focusing on here, even though throughout the Gospels, they're often picking on individual laws uh, with Jesus. But there is a bigger picture, and the bigger picture is they are simply asking, Jesus, why don't your followers live according to the tradition of the elders? 
They did the same thing when they were questioning Jesus about the Sabbath. Uh, they, they would question Jesus about fasting. They wanted to know, how come your followers are doing things differently? We have this tradition, the tradition of the elders, and you're not following it. Why is that? Now, that could lead us into a great discussion of tradition. And maybe it's something that you can do in your small groups because we all have traditions. We all have practices or habitual practices that we do as church bodies and as followers of Jesus. And so maybe a good question is, is when should a tradition be followed? And when should it be discarded? And the answer is going to revolve something around the inner landscape. Because if we're doing spiritual practices or following certain traditions, they were started with good intention. They were started because they affected our inner landscape somehow. They brought us closer to God, or they brought us closer to one another, or they just, they just brought something good into our inner landscape. But there does come times when those traditions and those habits or practices, they just become outward actions. They stop affecting our inner landscape. And so when we're looking at the question of our inner landscape and, and tradition, a sort of a good filter to ask ourselves is, are these practices still producing the intended result in my heart? Are they still helping me move toward that new heart for that new horizon, that preferred future that God has for me? Because when it becomes an outward action only, when it has no benefit to the wellness of our heart or the wellness of other people's hearts, that's where we need to pause and ask, why am I doing this? Like, really, why am I doing this? And so here, the religious teachers, they're, they're picking on this outward ritual. They don't even question or, or think about inward faith. So they have this outward focus on others and their actions rather than this uh, inward focus of the state of their heart and the hearts of other people. And I know that as a pastor, I've experienced uh, pastoring lots of different people at lots of different places in their spiritual journey. And I know for me as a pastor, it is much more preferred to, to pastor somebody who has the strong desire to follow Jesus, really tries hard to follow Jesus, but seems to continually make a mess of things that is much easier than, than pastoring someone who's got it all together on the outside. You know, they go to church, they read their Bible, they, they give their money, but inwardly, their heart is far from God. So just a great sort of moment of reflection here. Like, don't, don't focus on your outward action. Inner landscape, where's your heart? Is it drawing closer to God? Or is it like, meh, <laughs> these things are just these things. Because God's focus is first your heart. Your actions, our actions are important, but God starts with the heart. And so 
these are, this, this is a question that the Pharisees are asking. And then Jesus, man, I love his, I just love his response. Like he comes out with both guns blazing and he doesn't take any prisoners with these Pharisees. And so verses six to 15, Jesus replied, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. For you ignore God's law and substitute your own tradition. Then he said, you skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. For instance, Moses gave you this law from God, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father or mother must be put to death. But you say it's all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you, for I have vowed to give to God what I would have given to you. In this way, you let them disregard their needy parents. And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. And this is only one example among many others. Then Jesus called the crowd to come and hear. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. So Jesus does not pull any punches when he replies to the religious leaders. Now, no one, no one questioned the Pharisees' earnestness. Like, they were obviously very earnest, but their outward show, their outward actions does not conform to their inward reality. That's why in other places of scripture, Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs. He says, on the outside, you're all pretty, you're this whitewashed tomb, but on the inside, you're dead right? Their inner landscape was a mess, but because they were focused on their outward actions, they thought, it's fine. It's all good. But their outward actions were not going to move them toward preparing themselves for God's preferred future for them. It had to start with the heart, with the inner landscape. And so he says, uh, your outward show, that doesn't conform to the inward reality. And even if it did, you're teaching based on human authority, not divine authority. Do you notice that he, what he does is he quotes Isaiah, right? So, so the Pharisees, they were appealing to the tradition of the elders, to this man-made um, practice. Jesus says, you might, you might appeal to the tradition of the elders, but I'm going to go back to the word of God. <laughs> I'm appealing to scripture, that's the authority I'm standing on. You're standing on the authority of some man-made practice. I'm standing on the authority of scripture. And so he accuses his opponents of, of letting go of God's instructions because God gave instructions in the law for, for taking care of our parents, for the wellness of our parents. It's a very important thing to God. And he was saying, well, you're letting go of that command from scripture to follow your tradition, to say, well, sorry, mom and dad, I was going to take care of you, but, you know, the Pharisees said that I can give all my money to them and the temple and their work, and God will be okay with that. 
And that infuriates Jesus. And so he calls the crowd to him. Verse 14, he calls the crowd to him. So he's, he's, he's not even just going to talk to the Pharisees. He's going to bring everyone now into this discussion, including you and me. And he says, verse 15, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. So once again, we see that his focus is the heart. Yes, actions are important, but actions need to flow from our heart. It's our heart that changes, transforms our actions. Our actions don't transform our heart. God transforms our heart. We join him in that process. And so he starts with the heart and that transformation flows from the inside out. And so the point here for us is when it comes to a new heart or when it comes to the spiritual practices that we do, these rhythms of life uh, or even traditions, this new heart for a new horizon, if the inner landscape is not healthy, then the outward practices become a show. Right? The key point is, is, is a new heart is crucial for a new horizon. Because otherwise, all our actions are going to become a show. We have to start with the inner landscape. So, let's look at the last few verses here. Verses 17 to 23. Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd. And his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand either, he asked. Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then here comes something, wow, this is a tough thing to read. And then he said, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within, and they are what defile you. Again, do we notice the direction from the inside out, from the inner landscape to our outward actions? And if this is accurate, which we know it is because it's the word of God, what does that mean for us? Because I think all of us can relate to either thinking or doing at least one thing on this list. Evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, 
murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. I don't think any of us are innocent and free of those things. We have all experienced it in some way. Now, sometimes we put our own emphasis on the outward action. We say, well, come on, I haven't murdered anyone. But then Jesus, of course, in the Sermon on the Mount says, well, guess what? If we have a hateful thought toward another person, we've committed murder in our heart. And here he says, that's what defiles us. Like we're a little stuck here. Like we see the need for a new heart because we're defiled. We've all had these experiences, something on that list. And Jesus says, guess what? That's what defiles you. And so now we're left at this place of, well, well, now what? And again, without the inner landscape healthy, the outward actions become a show. That's why it is so important for us to work with God in a new heart for the new horizon he has for us. Because that new horizon is something awesome. And for me, my experience often is when God moves me into a new season, it's almost like he gives me a jacket that is too big for me. Like the very first time I became a lead pastor at a church, I was like, I, I can't, I'm not prepared for this. I can't do this. This jacket, this mantle, it's way too big for me. And God said, it's okay. I'm going to make sure you grow into it. And so this new horizon is like this mantle or this season or this jacket that just feels like it's a little too big. It's a little too big of a call. It's a little too big of a future. And God says, don't worry. I am working on you and I'm working with you and giving you a new heart and you will grow into this season. You will grow into this jacket. You will grow into this mantle, whatever it's going to be. That's the way he works with us. So maybe the question we have to end up with is, okay, I know I need a new heart. I know that, that I can be defiled by what comes out of my heart. So how, how do I move with God toward that new heart he wants me to have for this new horizon in my life? And I'm going to tell you what I discovered like way back when I was going through um, that season I mentioned at the beginning of this message and every other season, every other new horizon since then, working with God in, in, in developing this new heart, this transformed heart, it always begins with a ruthless inventory. And it starts maybe, like we mentioned earlier, a ruthless inventory of our outward actions, especially our spiritual practices. Why are you doing the practices that you do? Is it so that you look good to others? Or is it so that you can check things off and say, yeah, did it, did it, did it? Or are they actually producing the desired effect in your life? Are they softening your heart? Are they challenging you? Are they encouraging you? Are they helping you grow in love toward God, toward one another, even towards yourself? Like self-care practices can be spiritual practices. 
Because God says, I love you and I want you to take care of yourself. So are your outward actions, are your spiritual practices having that desired effect? Or have they simply become an empty show? And then when we look at our inner landscape, that's where this ruthless inventory really has to dig in. Like, look at that list again that we read. Out of the heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these vile things come from within, and they are what defile you. So look at that list. Really look at that list. And the first thing we need to do is we need to own it. If, if we look at that list and say, yes, I have or I am currently experiencing these things, own it. Confess it. People, have a, like, people often have this uh, weird idea of what confession is. But to me, confession is simply agreeing with God about what's going on in our inner landscape. If God says, this is, this is harming you, this is hurting you, this is sin, then we say, yes, this is harming me, this is hurting me, this is sin. I confess that to be true. So confession is simply agreeing with God about our actions, about our inner landscape. So if the Bible says that something is sin or something defiles us, then we agree with it. Which leads us to actually one last question. And that is, whose authority are you going to live by? Because the Pharisees lived by the authority of humanity, their own traditions. Jesus lived by the authority of scripture. And so you might say, or even, even culture might say, that's no big deal. But God in his word might say, actually, it's a pretty big deal because it's hurting you or it's hurting someone else. Who are you going to agree with? Who are you going to look to to speak the truth about our actions and our heart and our inner landscape? Those self-help books or the word of God? Whose authority will you live by? Because we're really good at kind of justifying our own actions and thoughts. And if you're like me, sometimes you're really good at, uh, you, you want to play that victim card. Well, they, they did something to me and therefore I said this or I did this or whatever. And God says, no, you got to own it yourself. <laughs> own it yourself. A ruthless inventory of the state of our heart, of our inner landscape, is how we begin working with God in moving toward a new horizon and a new heart. And the beautiful thing is, even though it's hard work, that new heart is a gift from God. And yes, these things have defiled us, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, God sees us as holy. That's an amazing thing. He gives us this new identity 
And he says, now that I see you and you have this identity of holy, I am going to work with you, bring transformation to your heart so that your actions can catch up with your identity. So Thrive Church, here you are on your way to a new horizon. And you're in this sort of in-between time. And it's a perfect opportunity to begin to work with God in developing that new heart. So God bless you as you do this journey over the next few weeks and months. And I am excited to see where God leads you as a follower of Jesus and you as a church body. God bless you. Praise God. Can we give God a big hand together right now? Let's also thank Pastor Nick for that message. Today, we learned from Pastor Nick's message that if you want to experience a new heart for a new horizon, that all begins with doing a ruthless inventory of your inner landscape. Inner landscape being just the stuff that's in your heart. And he pointed us to this verse from Mark chapter 7, verse 21. Jesus saying, For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. And being someone who wants to do ruthless inventory is really just saying, okay, God, of this list of things that you call sin, what is one that I identify with today? And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to you know, pretend. I'm not going to deny it. But what is one thing out of this list that you can identify with today? You don't necessarily need to say it to anyone else right now, but just in your own heart right now, just be able to recognize that. Which one of it? Is it, is it evil thoughts? Is it sexual immorality? Is it theft? Is it murder? Is it adultery? Is it greed? Is it wickedness? Is it deceit? Is it lustful desires? Is it envying others? Is it slander, i.e., you know, saying really awful things about people behind their back? Is it pride? Is it foolishness? Like, you know, you know that it's just a silly, stupid thing to do, but you just do it anyways. Can you identify with any of those? See, we're learning today that the next step to a new heart and new horizon is to do that ruthless inventory and to recognize, you know, God, this is an issue in my heart. This is an issue in my life. And you confess to God. Because God is not here to condemn you for your sin. He's here to save us. And he's here to lead us to a new heart and new horizon. If you believe that, say amen. With that in mind, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity. If you've got that one issue, that one struggle, that one thing from that list that you know you need to confess to God, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a second. But let me just share with you one really quick thing. This has been a very, like, one of the most unique seasons we've ever been through here at Thrive Church together. And uh, we've just been so overwhelmed, Pastor Shar and myself, by the incredible support that we've been receiving from just so many people in our church. Just like, you know, everyone has been just so incredibly encouraging, incredibly supportive. How can I help? How can I pray? What can I do? Um, and, you know, just the latest one was, you know, one of the small groups in our, in our church. They, they sent us a video that they'd created, that they edited, where every member of their small group was saying an encouraging word and, 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 and saying, we're, we're, we love you, we're with you. It was very, very touching. We, we just saw, saw it last night. And uh, in that message, in that video, each of them did uh, something to show a sign of love. Uh, and I, I learned from that video, there's actually three ways to do a heart sign. Uh, so, so the first one, of course, is this one, right? Okay, everyone knows that. You can do that to your neighbor right now. You can do that right now. Yeah, right there, right, there you go, right? This, that's pretty, pretty standard right now, pretty calm. The, the other one is this one, right? Okay, that's a bigger one. Do that one too. Do, do that one too, just for fun. Just do it. And, and then there's another one that they did, which was this one, like this. <laughs> I always thought this was money, but I guess for them, this, for them this, this is heart as well. Why do I mention that? 
these are three different signs to show love. Why do I mention that? It's because 2,000 years ago, before you ever thought about loving anyone else, God showed his love for us. He sent Jesus Christ to reach out his arms and die on a cross for us, to show that Jesus isn't here just to point at your sin. Jesus is here to forgive us of our sin. Jesus is here to help us out of whatever struggle we may have in our inner landscape so that we can experience a new heart and new horizon. When we were separated from God, when our sins kept us from God such that we couldn't have anything to do with God, not now, not later, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could have a brand new start, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a relationship with God, not based on what we do or us earning it because we could never earn it, but simply because God loves you and his unconditional love was expressed through Jesus Christ stretching out his arms on a cross for you and me. For God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And so if you're here and you realize that there is sin in your life that you need to give, ask God for forgiveness for, then I want to give you an opportunity to do exactly that right now. It's as simple as praying a prayer. And if you know you need forgiveness for sin today, it's a gift that God gives. It's not something you earn. You can receive that gift by simply praying a prayer to receive Jesus Christ into your life. And just so we want to make this as easy and user-friendly as possible for those who are watching today. If you realize you need forgiveness for your sins and you want to ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to bring you into a relationship with him, then I encourage you just to click the link that's on your chat room or scan the QR code that's on your screen. And when you click that link or you scan that QR code, it's going to take you to a page with a prayer on it. And on that page, you're going to see a prayer that you can pray uh, that is a simple way for us to ask Jesus Christ to forgive us our sins. And so with that in mind, if you need to do that today, would you just do that right now? Would you, would you click that link? Would you scan that QR code? And would you just pray this prayer with us right now? In fact, those of you who have prayed it before, would you pray it together with those who are praying for the very first time? Let them know that they're not alone today. I'm going to pray this prayer with you right now. Why don't you pray this with me together right now? Say, dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, You died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, then according to the Bible, you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You have a relationship with God, not based on what you have to do, but what Jesus Christ has done for you. And a big congratulations to you. In fact, can we give just a big hand to those of you who prayed that prayer just now? Praise God. Can you give them a big shout as well? Come on. Amen. We're so happy for you. And to celebrate this newfound relationship with God and just this love that he's given into your life, we want to encourage you to do a couple things. One is keep coming to church. We would love to see you here. Every baby needs a family to grow up in. We'd love to be your spiritual family. Second thing is we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation. Baptism not saying, you know, I have no more questions or look how committed I am to Jesus. It's really about saying, look how Jesus has saved me from my sins. Look how he died on the cross for me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And we encourage you, if you have never gotten baptized before, to go ahead and take that step and go to mythrob.info and press the baptism button for more information on baptism. On top of that, we've got some gifts to give to you. Go to the bottom of that page with a prayer on it. You can click that link and we'd love to send you some gifts to congratulate you in this new relationship with God. Praise God. The best is yet to come.